Tatar. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday. It's November 5th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is James Davis. And we're coming at you with a game-by-game breakdown for every game on the main slate for FanDuel and DraftKings. We did publish our cash game podcast from yesterday, so go make sure you go check that out. Uh, that's going to break. We broke down, you know, where we were at the different positions. I actually think this is going to be a fairly straightforward week, which likely means we're looking at some chalk, at least in a few spots. Uh, I mean, famous last words on stuff like that and all, but uh, it does feel like there are just you know specific places we can really target some plays, and then elsewhere maybe just spots to avoid is that kind of how the feeling you're getting as we start here it's like I sometimes feel like when we can write the cash game article really early in the week not always but things often especially if there's not a ton of injury news right now I don't think uh, things often start kind of coalescing quicker than than normal yeah I mean it all just comes down to injury stuff and by the way things coalescing doesn't necessarily mean the lineups are better it just means there's kind of fewer moving parts and I'd say that I feel a lot more clear about how the lineups will look on Sunday but I will say I felt very confident in last Sunday's lineups once it all came together right so sure um so yeah feeling okay right now I think there are some I think we have good plays it's gonna be weird to me I I still think we're kind of in no man's land when it comes to like one slot which is just how it's going to be when there's a lot of really good expensive plays and not a lot of great cheap plays but I, I suspect we'll get it sorted out as I say that, Adam Schefter tweets that uh, the Texans closed down their facility today because of multiple COVID tests. So here we go. Because that so was we'll the... just have to take two guys off of our <laughs> cash game lineup. That's a good start. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, this stuff, the COVID stuff, as we've seen, kind of tends to come and go. It doesn't yeah, necessarily true. mean it's a full, just because you have a test, you know, often um, we've been able to play through a lot. They've been, the, the league's been able to play through a lot of this this season, uh, even with positive tests. So we'll see how it goes. Um, that's kind of the case. We're going to skip this game, but it's worth noting this Green Bay-San Francisco game. San Francisco travels. Uh, they go with just like nobody. They're playing their full B team. So it's, I don't know what this Thursday night's game is going to look like. But we'll roll through the main slate. First game is the Bears and the Titans. Titans are minus six home favorites right now against the Bears, who are just like a confusing team to wrap your head around because the record's all right. And the defense is good. The offense is brutal. I just, I mean, I, I kind of do like, I still like Derrick Henry here. He's not in our top play, but this does line up usually to be a spot where we want to start running back, you know, big favorites at home. Are we, do we overlook, do we omit him in favor of uh, Dalvin Cook yesterday? Or does like, or maybe does this just line up for Henry or is the defense problematic? What are your thoughts here? No, I mean, as I said several times yesterday, I like Henry quite a bit. It's just a question of, you can only play one expensive guy, and for me, it's close but clear. Cook basically has every thing going in his direction. <laughs> you know, like slightly better matchup, um, slightly more consistency. I, uh, you know, just a bigger part of the team's touchdown scoring repertoire, which is close. Like Henry's in there scoring a bunch of touchdowns too, and I think actually the overall usage in positive game scripts goes in Cook's direction as well, right? So Henry's a good play bordering on a great play if I could play both like if we get some you know miracle five thousand dollar great wide receivers coming along uh, that I'm not anticipating right now I'm ready to play both I just don't see it shaping up that way right now what do you want to do with the Tennessee passing game Corey Davis did see double digit targets last game coming back from the COVID list is Mm -hmm. this a spot to play him like where do we how do you do we feel like we've sectioned off the the Tennessee targets correctly you know AJ Brown had been the beneficiary of a lot of the target share in the past but Corey Davis has seen his share too I mean 
or it's just like, or do we not need to worry about it because the Bears' pass defense is just good enough that it ends up becoming a wash anyway? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it kind of depends. I mean, for cash games, if, say, we lose Brandon Cooks and Deshaun Watson, which are two of our cash game staples right now, I could see playing Corey Davis. I mean, now it's back-to-back weeks with 10 targets. Uh, he was getting, you know, in, or like seven a game before going on the COVID IR there. And it's been, I mean, the game against Pittsburgh wasn't super effective. That was another really tough defense game. But he's got some pretty good performances, even in, you know, less than ideal matchups, right? He had seven catches against Denver for 101 yards in his first game of the season. So, I, yeah, I, I could see, like, if his name was in the lineup, I that wouldn't be the spot I was worried about. I don't think we need to force it in. But I'm curious to know what you think about him heads up versus someone like Marvin Jones Jr., uh, where... We have the track record of Davis performing on this price point, but there's nothing new about his situation versus Jones, where the track record doesn't support this price point, but there's obviously some extenuating circumstances with Galladay there. Yeah, I mean, I probably would tend to trust Jones. I, the problem, I mean, Stafford's on the COVID list right now, too. Like, he doesn't have it. He didn't test positive. He was in close contact with someone that had it, so they're doing, like, a precautionary measure with him. I, I mean, that would, that would probably render the conversation moot at that point. Like if Stafford missed, I probably tend to go Jones just cause I'd like the matchup a little bit better, but I don't feel overwhelmingly confident about it either. It's not, but I think, I think all things, if I, if I just had to choose, um, you know, gun to my head, proverbial gun to my head, I I'd probably choose Jones and I don't feel, hmm. I, I wouldn't be something that I want to put like a lot of <laughs> a lot in the line for. What are your thoughts about? I mean, anything to see with the Bears here? Is the offense just too brutal? Montgomery. I mean, really, David Montgomery is kind of like cr- creeping around some of our stuff here. He's the usage has been decent from him. He's kind of brutal, but I don't know. I, I and he's cheap. I don't, I don't really want to do it, but less than six thousand, maybe. I'd rather not. I think, although when I'm starting to kick around names like Antonio Gibson, it becomes a little closer. But listen, the Bears are six-point underdogs here, right? Like, how, right. I don't know if we can really run a running back that's not really paying these prices to begin with in a game where then he turns around and is a six-point underdog. And the Bears' offense, like, you know, we've talked about many times how touchdown luck or the rate at which you score touchdowns, yeah, there are some luck factors. But one of the biggest factors is just your team's ability to get into the red zone. This is why someone like, Travis Kelsey, I wouldn't exactly call it luck that he gets a lot of touchdowns just because the offense is so prolific, right? But the Bears have the opposite problem where the offense is just, it's just really brutal to watch, chewing sand sometimes. And you're just probably not going to get a lot of touchdowns as a running back in that offense. So I, I don't feel any need at all to kind of try to squeeze Montgomery in, even if the price, even if it's fair, and even if there are worlds where he's an excellent points per dollar play just because it all kind of comes together at once for him. I don't think we need to squeeze him in here. Yeah, he's become an every down back, basically. I mean, that's yeah, the only last week he absolutely years. was, right? I mean, yeah, 59 he, of the 69 uh, offensive snaps were in his favor. They did bring in, you know, Coral Patterson. Um, Coral Patterson kind of, st- you know, whatever. He, he kind of came in for a few, but mo- it was mostly Montgomery here. I think yeah. I'm with you, though. I don't really, I don't think I want to do it. Tennessee is, it is worth noting here, Tennessee is not a good defense. Uh, they are bottom third defense on the season. So th- this is an okay matchup, but. 
when it's all said and done, we're still looking at the Bears' uh, offense and just having, you know, like we say, squ- you have to squint to see it because the Bears' offense is just uh, is just pretty rough. Moving on, Detroit and goes in and plays the Vikings. We mentioned the Stafford thing. We're going to have to wait and see where that lands. Uh, we talked yesterday about Marvin Jones, and we just, I mean, two minutes ago we talked about Marvin Jones uh, in terms of where some of those targets might get redistributed now that Kenny Galladay is out. We like TJ Hawkinson as well. Again, this all assumes that Stafford plays. Not going to run these guys out with a backup quarterback. So I'm not. I think Chase Daniels their backup. I'm not. Uh, we're not going to do that. And we talked at length about Dalvin Cook too. The minus four point favorites here, Minnesota. That line would probably t- t- probably stray even more in their direction if Stafford were to sit. Anything else to see here? The Minnesota has a huge total with 28 implied points. We did not talk about the wide receivers here at all, but we've also seen games where Kirk Cousins is like, dude, I'm just going to throw like 12 times. <laughs> like he threw he threw 14 times last game right. against, against the Packers. I just don't, I don't know how you play. I just don't know how you play receivers on a team where this is even a possibility, right? Like, well, you make sure that you're in the right kind of contest before you do it, right? So you would never do it in cash games, but it does apply enough downward pressure on a guy like Justin Jefferson that he can absolutely be a part of your big tournament lineups because we know that if the game script heads in a certain direction, he can get 11 targets, and he can do a lot with each target thrown his way. But now you can't even begin to consider these guys for cash. Yeah, and this is like this is classic leverage spots where if you think Cook is going to have very high ownership, especially in GBPs, this is the, the natural pivot is to just go to this passing game here and mm-hmm. know that you are going to get lower ownership on a direct pivot away from where the pro- likely the chalk is going to be. So playing mm-hmm. guys like Thielen, playing guys like Jefferson, I wouldn't do it with Cousins because I still just don't think the volume is there. That uh, I, 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 I like those spots, like you said, for, for uh, you know, big tournaments, for definitely for some separation. I think other people are going to see it the same way too. So you might not even see like crazy low ownership on those guys at all. But it's just worth noting that that's, this is exactly how you want to, you know, apply pressure <laughs> in terms of just uh, you know in terms of able to hit big upside while also separating yourself from the field uh anything uh on the other side of the ball here um i mean do we just not know enough i i, I, I like they just don't want to run adrian peterson even when thing i just don't get it the lions whatever i whatever i maybe i'm just gonna move on because they're just a frustrating team but anything else here to see on the lions are we just kind of in a waiting game with, with in terms of staffers availability yeah that's right i mean even if like if stafford were to miss I don't. I think at that point we'd probably have to take Hawkinson and Jones out of our yeah, cash game consideration as well. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah, I, I think are. I'm. I think I'm down to consider them if Stafford plays. Uh, if he doesn't, then I think we got, just got to back away slowly from this team and try not to touch it. So yeah, I bet Detroit. That's my take right now. I bet Detroit three, plus three and a half earlier in the week, and I'm not loving that now because um, I don't think there's there's almost no way it's going to swing back in their favor here. So I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, it's up to minus four. Um, this is pre-Stafford news, so uh, that is not something that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not feeling regretful because I think at the time it was fine, but this is not, it's not, it's not looking good uh, as we get later into the week. Uh, yeah, I think we just have to wait and see, and we're just going to have to have, definitely have the Cook exposure, and, and that's kind of it. Cook's just been away. You know, if you want our Cook thoughts, go back to yesterday's podcast because we talked at length about how just absolutely awesome he's been. Giants go in and play Washington. Washington started as three and a half point favorites. It's down to two and a half. The total is just uh, what you would expect from a total from two teams playing in the NFC East. It's at forty-two right now. Um, mm-hmm. The NFC East is just terrible. It's a, it's a actually joke of a division. It's like one of those things that like you would just relegate the division if you just could and just <laughs> if you had a, a different setup. It's just that bad here. Maybe Washington's the best team. Maybe the Eagles are. I don't I don't really know. It's weird that we're even talking about it. Do you want to rehash the Antonio Gibson thoughts from yesterday or just give a quick, you know, a brief where we are with Gibson? Because 
I don't mind it in cash, and I'm also just a little worried about the snap count. Yeah, I'm concerned about it in cash still. I, that's the spot right now that I'm looking at in our cash game lineups that I don't feel great about. The case basically is that he's capable of 20-plus touches on a $6,200 price point in a good matchup. The case against him is that the other running backs there are still on the field a lot, and they're still touching the ball a lot. Like if you look at last week's running back carries, I believe Gibson, how do I mental math this quickly? He had fewer than 60% of the total running back carries, right? So he got a lot, but it's just because the team ran a ton. And the team wants to run a ton. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's a very tricky situation. We don't see a lot of teams that are going to give up 35, give out 35 carries to running backs, you know, just as a, a normal course of things. But the Washington semi-professional football team might be that. So, yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a hard one to analyze here. Yeah, um, I probably don't want to go there. Um when it's all said and done, but we might just yeah. have to, we might just be in a, in, a, in a money crunch. And at that point, maybe it just wins out. What are your thoughts? So we talked a little bit about Terry McLaurin yesterday, and I actually misspoke. Mm-hmm. I said Logan Ryan was going to shadow cover him, and I meant James Bradbury. Bradbury is um, one of the better cover cornerbacks rated, but one of the better rated shadow cornerbacks in the league this year. Uh, that's that's per pro football focus. I like McLaurin, and I like the, I like the target share he's seen, especially with Kyle Allen consistently under center. And I also just a little bit worried about the shadow piece here. What are your thoughts here on seeing? Because um, you know, we just we can just avoid these situations too, right? You don't need right. to you don't need to jam wide receivers into like semi elite cover corner situations if you just don't need to. Uh, teams tend to also understand that this is the case and look elsewhere. But uh, what are your thoughts knowing that that's the matchup here for McLaurin? Yeah, the people at home can't see me nodding along, but yes, I'm, I'm nodding along here. I think you know if there's any case, I guess for playing McLaurin, it said. He, two games ago, he played the Giants, still got 12 targets and caught seven balls, but he didn't exactly pop off for DFS purposes, even, right. even on those 12 targets, right? So I don't see any reason to force it. It reminds me of the Montgomery play where if pressed into action and I absolutely just needed a wide receiver in this price tier, I could grin and bear it, but I'm not going to prioritize it whatsoever. Um, and I'll definitely allow for some big tournament upside here because, you know, 12 targets to a really talented guy can just turn into 10 catches for... 150 yards and two touchdowns it's just that I don't think that's anywhere near the median expectation here right and and that's and that's just sometimes the problem with these with these cover corners there's a there's a group of these guys and the, the list is small but there's a there's a definitive group that is just head and shoulders above the rest in terms of raw talent and it's also one of those things where if you're a, co- a good cover corner you can still maybe this is an overstatement you can still be bit on a bad team and kind of do your thing and everyone else around you is just kind of the, the, is a dumpster fire. You know what I mean? Like that's just like the mm-hmm. one. It's like the one defensive spot where you can sort of you know there's schemes and all this other stuff, but you can sort of you know make your own fate in a way that you just really can't at other defensive positions. So yeah, I, I think if I'm if I'm really trying to see it, and if it was a really close call, I'd probably avoid it with the understanding that look, McLaurin's just a, a borderline elite wide receiver that that plays with you know suspect quarterback play and that's just kind of the story for him so uh we'll keep an eye on that situation see how uh, the chips fall anything with the giants here they ran wing gallman a decent amount last night or last week i don't know if the i'm actually haven't seen a note on Devontae freeman about what the plans are for him but uh, i guess is it washington's a decent defense the giants offense is whatever though they did hang with tampa bay last week anything that you like here on the giants yeah it's too early to know on freeman uh he missed practice on wednesday we're recording this on thursday uh, he hasn't practiced since he injured his ankle in that Philly game in Week 7. So 
there's like no reason to believe that he'll be back, but it's still kind of an outstanding question to be sure. Uh, as for Gallman, I don't know. Like <laughs> I think while we're while we're in the Gallman territory, I'll, I'll just think about David Montgomery or something like that. So sure. I, I can't imagine rostering Gallman in any format here. I, um, I, Evan, and Evan Ingram, I think, is still uh, one in that group of playable tight ends. Yeah, the, uh, uh, the you know we did see double digit targets out of Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram last week. Uh, I think that right Ingram just kind of fits the bill of that mid five thousands, a little cheaper on DraftKings, kind of you know four thousand ish mm-hmm. tight end that you just don't love to play, and you just but you're forced to play someone, and that's just yeah, he's forty three hundred on DraftKings. You're just forced to play someone, so that just ends up being the story. I actually still don't mind the the Washington defense here from DFS purposes. Uh, they've been able to get yeah. to the quarterback. Uh, Jones will take sacks. Um, they are cheaper than some of these other teams, like the Steelers, who are in matchups against Dallas. So, um, you know, thirty-four hundred on DraftKings. I think that's you know, playable. I think they're a little bit more expensive. So, yeah, Washington defense is definitely a defense we've wanted to target in the past. And yeah, before, and they're a little expensive on Fanduel, forty-seven hundred. That's probably getting you can't touch them on Fanduel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you yeah. compare them to like Pittsburgh at five thousand <laughs> against Dallas, like yeah, right. you're, no, no one's going to roster these guys on Fanduel. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so we mentioned the this one's the Texans and Jacks. We mentioned that the the facility closed down for the Texans. I look if they if everyone if everyone plays, mm-hmm. you can do you can run a full. We talked about this yesterday. You can basically I think run a full uh, Houston stack here, oh, right? Yeah. I think I think you make you make the case, and we talked about this a little yesterday. You play you play Watson. You could probably play David Johnson. Although I don't love that, but I, I can still do it. And then you play probably Brandon Cooks, or you know, if you want to you want to go over to Wolfful or even Randall Cobb. I, I wouldn't hate you for it. Our system just prefers Cooks. But I know sometimes I like to do this, or I or it feels better to do it. But does that make would this would this be a situation, especially when it's pricing is concerned, to just say Watson, Johnson, Cooks, let's say, and call it a day, and let's see where the rest of the lineup kind of shakes out? Like, is because I think that Johnson probably is cheap enough. Oh, yeah. To do something like that. Oh, yeah. I'd be happy with David Johnson this week as I've continued to look at this as the week has gone along. Uh, I think Watson and Cooks are kind of close to mandatory plays in cash games. And then you're really just – you're deciding about Johnson in that Antonio Gibson slot, basically. Like, you're not going to take him over Dalvin Cook or anything. But, I yeah, I, I like the way the lineups shake out when you try to plug all those pieces in. Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on what this the the COVID thing is that could really shake things up. But mm-hmm. um, like I said, there's we've had we've had some positive movement around this stuff where they're where they're able to just get the games in. And I'm, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna remain I'm gonna remain cautiously optimistic. I, I'm on the Jags. Look, their Gardner Minshew's out. Jake Luton's gonna get the start. Uh, they still are kind of projected for some points here. I, it's, you know, this is a maybe Vegas doesn't see the Minshew downgrade to like anybody as anything much like a downgrade. Like if it's just like is this isn't, you know, this isn't Patrick Mahomes going down to somebody else. This is mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew and maybe Jake, you know, Luton is just kind of like a similar thing. But at the same time, like it's a good matchup against Houston. The points are kind of there. Is there anything, is there any reason, can you, could you talk yourself into anything on Jacksonville here? Like James Robinson, James Robinson has played a ton of snaps for this team. I, yeah. Houston's a bad defense. I, it's, I, it's still, they're still bad. I don't really know. They rank 28th uh, in DVOA. 27th against the rush like as James Robinson a guy that we can consider especially if they lean on him a little bit more with a new quarterback uh yeah I think he's in consideration again for big tournaments only I I don't think you want to do it in cash uh you have evidence two weeks ago three weeks ago against Houston where he had 13 carries 48 yards fumbled uh had seven targets caught five of those for 22 yards simply a terrible day uh you know for DFS purposes 
at a kind of mid-tier running back price point. I think Robinson was just a lot more interesting, like anyone would be. When he was like in the low 6,000s, I think at this point, he's just priced a little north of where I'm probably ever going to be interested in playing him. So he's just kind of fallen off my radar here. Um, like, for instance, I don't think it's very close deciding between Robinson at 7,300 on FanDuel and Johnson at 6,800 on FanDuel. I, you know, Johnson just gets every check mark there for me. So, um, yeah, I, I can't imagine touching him in cash, but big tournaments, sure. And one note about Robinson here is that last when they played, they were they were by in week eight. Um, in week seven, he got 22 carries and six targets. It's yeah, You have to know, though, that Chris Thompson was out of that game on the COVID list, and Thompson is removed and back this game, right? So, mm-hmm. like, we saw a definitive spike in usage here for Robinson, but that was a one-to-one. I mean, not like Chris Thompson's a, a crazy usage guy here, but, um, you know, he does get four. It's specifically the targets. Yeah, he's like, a good pass-catching back. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. So, Robinson saw the targets in a way that probably isn't likely to repeat, although, you know, he's seen targets this season. So, just just to note, when you see the snap count that he would play, like, not over 90% of the snaps, it was because mm-hmm. – it, be, it was definitively because Thompson was out of the mix. All right. Ravens go and play Indy. Ravens start coming off a tough loss against the Steelers. They have looked pretty pedestrian this season um, comparatively to what they did last year, Lamar Jackson specifically. The game starts at them minus three and a half, down to two and a half. I did like the Colts on the three and a half here, uh, and the line moved in the favor. Now, the, the, the line also did come up a little bit from 45, excuse me, the over under came up from 45 to 47. Um, I, we're, we're, it's so funny about Lamar. Like, we're just. It kind of just like doesn't matter what happens. You just can't buy low on him. Like he just started. He started the season just too expensive, basically, right? Like I, I mean, look here. Where is he? Where is he land? Ah, I take that back. So he's now, he's mm-hmm. now the cheapest guy of the Mahomes, Wilson, Murray, Watson, Josh Allen, and then and then it's Jackson, and then you go down to Justin Herbert. Is this a spot actually to buy low? Like are we, are we getting away with anything with Lamar Jackson here, or did he just? Is he is he maybe being exposed as not the you know, all-time record-setting <laughs> fantasy guy that we saw last season because he's been pretty pedestrian this season. Yeah, we're, we can buy Luan Jackson, and I think he's a great big tournament player just because people are somehow sleeping on the guy who, from week to week, seemed to have the highest upside last season. I'd say for cash games, though, Indy has been very good in terms of their defensive DVOA this season, right? So I don't know that you just want to, you know, try to catch the falling knife on Jackson and say, yep, this is the week he bounces back. I think right. if he has another not-so-great week against Indy, I-, I believe strongly that we should be considering him as soon as he gets a matchup that's not this bad. But, yeah, I think for now, I think you could wait one more week on it, basically, and he'll definitely be, you know, in that rotation of, call it, six to seven quarterbacks that I have this week for big tournaments. He'll have, a fair, like, an equal share of that, call it 15 to 20% my total big tournament lineups will have Jackson. So take that for what it's worth. Um, and the run game. So last week Ingram was out. Uh, do you know the, do you know the status of Ingram right now? You're better with injury stuff than I am. Um, yeah. So Ingram right now, it's a little bit, again, early to say he didn't practice on Wednesday. And I think speculation is that he could return, but we just don't know. So I think we have to, we just have to wait and see. So check as always. Follow up with my injury article that comes out either Friday night or on Saturday, depending on when we know things. Uh, usually it's Friday night because we get those Friday practices and teams make their official declarations. But this early in the week, it's a fool's errand to try. Even one day earlier, it's a fool's errand to try to figure out what's going on. The reason I mention this is because J.K. Dobbins played 66% of the snaps last mm-hmm. week against the Steelers, uh, carried the ball 15 times. The, the, this is the rushing attempts. 
Uh, Lamar had 16. That you love to see that. And this, the yards oh, yeah. kind of weren't there, but um, he did throw for two touchdowns. Then Gus Edwards ran for 16, uh, was okay, and then Dobbins ran 15 times and was really good, 15 for 113, yeah. and had all the and had all the snaps in his favor, and actually got a couple targets, which you don't really see, you haven't really seen too much from the Baltimore running backs. So if Ingram was out, I do find Dobbins to be interesting here especially if they just say hey you're the starter now and and they kind of just get rid of the Gus uh, the Gus Edwards thing so keep an eye on that Dobbins 5300 don't love the matchup obviously but if he was going to be on the field for 70 percent of the snaps that I there probably is upside even knowing that uh even though that it's maybe a problematic defense against Indy yeah and the problem the problem though too is that Edwards was also effective last week so he had 16 carries he turned that into 87 yards which is more than five yards a carry I would say I believe strongly that it'll be a timeshare there and they might still pay value right but um also considering Edwards has two touchdowns over the last two weeks uh to Dobbins is zero so I think it's unfortunately might be a tragedy of the common situation there um on the indie side we saw Jordan Wilkins begin to take over snaps here good luck and they, they said that Jonathan Taylor might be a little banged up in a way that like you know they let you know after the game um, and then Wilkins, you know, this has been there's been a constant problem this year figuring out what the plan is in the running back situation for Indy. Mm-hmm. Wilson, uh, Wilkins did carry the ball 20 times last week to Taylor's 11. Uh, then you got you know, Hines got five targets, and I don't I don't really know what to make of it here. Maybe ball, and it's probably fine that just Baltimore is just a decent, a very good defense this year. We can oh, yeah. just avoid it. Um, Ty Hilton, I believe, is uh, is it? I don't know if Ty Hilton's out this week. He's banged up. He got uh, he got knocked out of the game last week. Anything to like here on the Colts? Yeah, so like you said, both Taylor and Hilton got knocked out early last week. Uh, Taylor was limited in practice on Wednesday. Um, Hilton did not practice on Wednesday. So I'd say, you know, more likely right now that Taylor will wind up playing. I don't know. If Hilton winds up sitting, does it is it that meaningful for us for really any format? You know, tough matchup. Hilton isn't the Hilton of old. Like he's capable of a 10-target game, but it's really been more like five targets. So I just don't know that it really moves the needle much whether he plays or not. It's just one of these things like the it's just Philip Rivers, right? Philip Rivers is going to Philip Rivers, and if you look yeah. at their target share last week, it breaks down like this: wide receiver. This is the in order. This is the positions that saw the mm-hmm. most targets: wide receiver, running back, tight end, wide receiver, tight end, tight end. <laughs> That's who we threw to last week. I, you know, forget the names. Like, and that was six five four four four. Yep. I I just don't really know what you do with the pass game. It's Philip Rivers. Just you don't play things. the people that are in it. Exactly. <laughs> that's what exactly. You do. That's it. And that and that's just a simple thing. So yeah. I mean, Zach Pascal six targets. No thanks. I, I think I'm just. Yeah. I think so. I, even if it, we basically saw what the plan was, would Hilton plays less than he played less than a third of the game last week, and it just doesn't matter. He just throw all these like meaningless positions. So uh, I think I'm pretty much off whatever uh, they're bringing to the table there. KC goes in and plays Carolina. KC starts as 11.5 point favorites, down to 10.5 now, but the line does go up from 50 over and it goes up from 51 to 53. News on the Carolina side here, they're getting Christian McCaffrey back. He's finally going to hit the field. Unclear about what his role will be. When guys come back like this, I pretty much know your answer, but you can give it to the crowd here. Um, <laughs> what what uh, what do we want to do with his usage for a guy that obviously in the past has been the elite top of the mountain top usage guy in football? I'd say he's a plug-and-play, Doug, you know, coming off <laughs> ankle injury. He's only a 10.5-point dog here against Kansas City on the road, right? So just plug him in. Let's go for it. That's what you were expecting, right? Now, you can't play McCaffrey. I mean, <laughs> at his absolute highest price point. Uh, well, not quite. I guess he's 500 less than his absolute highest price point. Um, yeah, there's no chance. I, we got to wait and see. Mike Davis has still been effective. I think a timeshare is exceedingly likely in his first game back especially in a game where 
they're huge dogs to win. I, I don't see any world where he touches the ball 30 times or whatever here. So happy to take a week and get my bearings. It's so funny about KC. They're so bad against the run in terms of DVOA. They rank 28th against the run, but like teams, so like when teams are able to yeah. run, it's effective. The problem is they're just not able to run because KC's blowing the doors off you all often. Right? Well, a lot like, of times it's like they're beating a team by 20 points and it's like they're just set up in a prevent defense or just, you know, locked in against the pass. And then the other team runs. KC's like, oh, okay. So you got right. seven yards on that carry, ran 40 seconds off the clock. Good luck getting the other 19 points you're going to need to win the game, right? So exactly. Yeah, I don't think so that's I, that reliable, unfortunately. Yeah, it's like it's tempting to look at that number and say you want to play some of these running backs or whatever, but it's just not. It's just not going to be the case. And then last week for KC, you know they absolutely murder the Jets. They cover the 19 and a half. So good, nice job, Jets. The uh, but we learn almost nothing from the the run game is now a non-starter for as much as we liked Clyde Edwards-Helaire to start the season uh, the Levy and Bell thing has made that um, totally unplayable it was they went to two to one they won a two to one snap count last week with uh, six rushes each and both got six both got three targets so they just basically split the usage down the middle uh, on the pass game we saw Kelsey get crazy targets we saw Miko Hardman get nine targets Tyreek Hill is like kind of like taking a back seat to some of the other target share here. Uh, we did. We avoided Mahomes last week because we were worried about the blowout. I mean, is this a spot where? I mean, would Mahomes be where we pivoted to if, let's say, Deshaun Watson didn't play? Like, would be, would we go back to Mahomes just because they're so effective through the air, or is the price kind of? Uh, I don't. know. What do you feel here about KC? Yeah, I'd say the price is pretty prohibitive here. Um, you know, last week's incredible game, notwithstanding, Mahomes in a typical week has basically been the same as these other guys that are you know, now bordering on $1,000 cheaper than him, right? So I don't think we'll get there on Mahomes once again. He's going to remain the highest upside guy for big tournaments. So, you know, certainly keep an eye on it there. Uh, they gave the Kelsey spiel yesterday that he's, you know, potentially playable even in cash games if you wind up with just too much money left over and you don't want to roll the dice on a cheap tight end. But I think otherwise you're throwing darts for big tournaments with the Chiefs. That's the way it's going to be. Um probably while they're healthy, right? So maybe you guess right on the Tyreek Hill two-touchdown game. Maybe you don't. Maybe Tyreek Hill gets those six targets and only turns it into the 98 yards with no touchdowns, right? And so <laughs> in which case you're extremely unhappy at 8,300. I can't imagine running any part of this passing game outside of Kelsey and Cash. And it's all in play for big tournaments. So there you go. Hope that's a that's an exciting answer for the folks listening at home here. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's just um, they're just when you have these these crazy prolific offenses, it just doesn't need to ever get concentrated in one mm-hmm. place. It's just say we're just going to pick the part of your defense that's the weakest, and we'll target that guy in this situation, right? Like Kelsey, sometimes they're able to overcome that because he's so good, but KC, we just seen time and time again, they have a really, um, they just have an excellent scheme that doesn't that makes it very difficult to plan against and makes it very difficult to figure out how, who you're going to stop because if you load up one place they're just going to beat you somewhere else and that's just why they're 10 and a half point favorites or 19 and a half point favorites like week in and week out because uh, they're just awesome and that's really the story i did bet uh casey minus 10 and a half here just uh for what it's worth the um all right the next game we have going here is the broncos and falcons falcons finally win last week broncos pull off a crazy upset sort of upset comparatively where the game had been going against the chargers like they were dead and then somehow came back and beat the chargers i couldn't believe it i i bet the chargers and it was like watching a just an absolute train wreck happen before your eyes atlanta is four point home favorites we talked about yesterday that we're waiting on some calvin ridley stuff um doesn't i don't think he's gonna play this week so we had talked about playing julio jones in cash they are four point home favorites though 
which is sometimes where we want to target uh, a running back in these kind of cases. Is Gurley's a guy that we can look to, or is just like too much Brian Hill still? 36 to 25 snap count in favor of Gurley last week, 18 to 11 carries, uh, no targets for Gurley. Uh, where do you stand here on the rest of these offensive pieces for the, the Falcons? Yeah, it's sort of tough to know what the plan is for Gurley, right? Because last week the timeshare was really in full effect, but that wasn't exactly the case in weeks leading up to it, right? I mean, yeah, Hill had 10 carries in the Minnesota game, but otherwise it's like two carries here, six carries there. And that's obviously the trend heading in the wrong direction for those of us who are interested in taking Gurley on the relatively cheap here. I think the price is high enough that you probably won't feel the need to take the risk. Uh, Denver is another solid defense. They're better against the run than the pass, you know, as in addition to being a top 10 defense overall in the league in terms of DVOA. So I don't know. Gurley, like as I'm really chewing it over in my mind, I think he falls into the same range as like Antonio Gibson for me, where I could see doing it if I ran out of options. But when I'm looking at him in the same price point as like Chase Edmonds or David Johnson, I'll probably lean in the direction of the other two. Yeah, uh, I think that makes sense. I just, it's just, it just, there's just these other guys that hang around. Now, the problem is, so many teams are like this. They eventually just have to kind of grin and bear it with somebody. I, I don't think mm-hmm. Gurley would be the spot I would do it. Um, the line has been fluctuating around three and a half and four. I bet, I did bet Atlanta minus four here. I really don't have a ton of faith in this Broncos team. You know, I get what they did last week in that comeback. That felt like more like the Chargers giving it away than the Broncos mm-hmm. taking it. Uh, our system likes the Falcons covering. The Falcons are one of these teams too where. They get they get dinged really pretty poorly, probably because they had just look. They gave away so many games late that the record is bad. But they were they've been in so many games that it's hard to believe that it's hard to think that if they played this season out a hundred times with these games, that their record would almost definitely be better. They've just given games away in just historically bad fashions, and I don't know. I I, I think our system is kind of picking up on the idea that that some of that was kind of fluky, and maybe this team is just a little bit better than what they look mm-hmm. like on paper. So I did bet uh, the Falcons minus four here, and the line has come up a lot. It's uh, It started at 47.5 and, a half and is, up to almost, is up to 50 right now, which is a pretty, uh, it's huh. a pretty big move. Uh, Seattle goes in and plays Buffalo. Starts as a Seattle home, road uh, three-point favorites. It's now down to 2.5. Game started at 53, now up to 55. I think there was maybe some a little bit of weather concerns early, though those aren't there anymore. Game. This game, uh, I believe, has the highest total of the slate uh, at 55. We did not talk about Russ as a cash game option, but that w- has been. If you if you run Russ to begin the season every single week, like you're just doing fine, and just deal with the rest of the pieces around it, right? <laughs> like it's just. Are your crew absolutely cruising? The guys averaging more than 30 FanDuel points a game this season. Right. So I mean, are we? Are we like price independent on Russ at this point? Right. Like I, I just mm-hmm. don't. He's still cheaper than Mahomes and. He's been yeah. just absolutely amazing. Is it just is this is this just like sort of like Lamar Jackson last year, where it's like, hey, this is just not the part to think about. This is the part to let everyone else think about. Just play Russ and move on. Because if you've done that this season, you're in. You're basically sitting pretty. Yeah, and I'd say too, Buffalo. You know, they have a, a reputation as being a good defensive team. They have not been one this season. They've been a bottom ten team in terms of overall defensive DVOA. So. Russ seems poised for another good game here. And yeah, I, I, I'm happy to play him. I, I prefer him to Mahomes, I believe, at $300 cheaper in what amounts to a better matchup. And uh, yeah, I, I'm happy playing Russ. That's my general answer on him from a week to week basis. There'll be some matchups, right? Like 
no one is actually price independent. Like if he were 9,000 against like Pittsburgh, for instance, that would obviously be a worse situation than sure. he is here. But yeah, I'm still happy to run him here against Buffalo. I will say in our system, if you X uh, Watson out of lineups, Wilson's the next guy up. So sure. I think this is this is where we'll be going if uh, if that Houston game gets COVID sideways. But um, we'll just have to kind of keep an eye out for it. And I would have no absolutely no problem doing it. It's uh, it just it just worked every time. Now, the wide receiver piece is the is the the better one because I know for me the guy I don't play is the one that's awesome that week, right? <laughs> so like when I play Tyler Lockett, it's DK Metcalf. If I play DK Metcalf, it's Tyler Lockett. Lockett uh, wash, rinse, repeat. The, well, you called it with Lockett last week, though, right? Because we were discussing yeah. the idea of him as a cash game play going into last week, and you astutely pointed out that it was a terrible matchup for the slot for him, right? So yes. I think, actually, you did pin that down. We didn't play either of them last week. And That's sure, right. I mean, it would have been would have been nice to have Metcalf, but you know, I, I think we wind up being in a fine position. But it, I think it definitely bears investigation as to how these guys are going to line up because Wilson is very clearly good enough to focus in on the guy with the better matchup, right? So this is where you head over to Pro Football Focus or somewhere, really do your homework on the cornerback matchups here and make sure you're leaning into the one with the better matchup. So it looks like, so what's going to happen here probably, so now that we're talking about it, is that DK Metcalf is going to get Tredavious uh, White uh, in, a sh- in shadow coverage. That's the assumption. And Lockett obviously does a lot of his work out of the slot, um, and that's where they run Taron Johnson out of the slot here. Um, and Taron Johnson, if you want to trust these numbers, is easily, easily the worst cornerback of the three uh, for the Bills. Uh, it's like Tredavious White uh, and then Levi Wallace, both pretty highly rated, and then Taron Johnson has just been, according to these numbers, been absolutely brutalized this week. Is that, considering that we've been sort of okay with this stuff in the past, like, is that enough to say, hey, this is a Tyler Lockett week, because by what you just said, and I believe it because I, you know, we want to factor this stuff in too, this would seem like, hey, we're going back to Lockett this week. Yeah, I think it's it's doable. Um, and when you look at the last like four games, let's say, I don't want to do arbitrary endpoints because he was incredible five games ago against Dallas, but in the last four games, he's got five or fewer targets in three of those. <laughs> so... Right. Uh, so maybe maybe there is just no such thing as a high floor Tyler Lockett game. I'm not not totally sure there. Metcalf obviously exceedingly expensive this game too. So I, I don't think that's where you'll wind up landing. But I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm losing my nerve here a little bit. Maybe I'm going to relegate Lockett into big tournament status. Uh, what about the running back situation here? There was a total mess last week with who was able to play. Uh, Carson mm-hmm. was out. Hyde was out. They ran DJ Dallas. Uh, Dallas was good um but i don't know do you have an inclination of where we're going to land here with the seattle's run game that was basically right up to the wire last week about who was going to play yeah so right now i believe the only guy we have definitive news on is carlos hyde who's already been ruled out of sunday's game Uh, carson i think was limited in practice on friday travis homer did not participate in practice on i'm sorry wednesday and that would leave us with i guess right now a potential timeshare of Chris Carson and DJ Dallas if Carson were to sit because I'd say Homer is trending more towards doubtful Hyde we know is already out Carson just hasn't played in a while if it all rolls downhill and we get that DJ Dallas at 5100 game I'm listening right I know he wasn't very effective on a per touch basis against San Francisco's pretty tough defense this is a much better matchup and like I'll just take 23 touches in this offense at 5100 and hope that occasionally he runs for nine yards on a run right like you just don't you need next to nothing 
at that point. And uh, yeah, I think if we get news that would be favorable to him as the week goes along, he would be an auto cash game play to me. And the good news, too, with this one, as opposed to last week, is this is a one o'clock game. Last week, it was a 430 exactly. game. We just didn't know. You had to wait. Uh, there was a lot of late swapping that happened. Uh, it's important to know about when you construct your lineups for situations like this, that you have to leave your room flexibility, leave room for flexibility um, yeah. around news like this. So, um, But again, with a one o'clock start, we're going to have definitive news, and this is definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, what, about, uh, what about Buffalo? Sam, um, you know, you mentioned Seattle. Excuse me. We mentioned Buffalo as being a bad defense. Seattle is not exactly any great shakes either. They're particularly bad against the pass this season. They rank 30th against the pass. Um, what are we looking at with Buffalo? Because this is, if you, it's in the same sort of the same way that if you targeted Russ this season, if you targeted people against the Seahawks in the past game, you're doing mm-hmm. pretty well also. Um, do we want to be on any part of Buffalo here? D- Diggs, no, nine targets last week. Uh, no one else had more than two. The, the weather was a weird situation in Buffalo last week, so it's not exactly a great comp. But, um, you know, where do we see guys like Stephon Diggs here, Cole Beasley, John Brown, and even Josh Allen against a team that's definitely given it up through the air? Yeah, I, I think the Allen and Diggs pairing is a great big tournament pairing. Uh, Diggs, I'd say flirting with cash game playability as well. Uh, nine targets last week, 11, 8, and 16 in the three weeks prior. And there's some good matchups in there. You know, the Jets, uh, even Kansas City, Tennessee. But like you said, this is as good a matchup as any, right? So I think Diggs is, is totally playable. And just the raw volume of targets from an effective quarterback is pretty meaningful. Uh, at 7,600, I think I'd prefer him to Tyler Lockett coming back the other way. I'd probably also prefer him to TK Metcalf, who's $500 more and probably a little bit less steady on the target share in spite of a better quarterback. So, yeah, Diggs right there in the mix for me. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I don't, and I don't, I, you, know, like you can't trust the run piece of this. Um, they're right. just, they're into that, you know, trying to figure out the Moss, uh, you know, the Moss Singletary thing to the point where they split carries directly down the middle and sl- split basically snaps right down the middle last week. Mm-hmm. Both had 14 carries, both had one target, both b- basically played 30 snaps. So I just don't know. You know, Moss scored the two touchdowns that, you know, maybe if he's a down and close guy and that's how you want to roll it, then fine. But, um, uh, you know, the fact that Josh Allen's able to scramble so much too and add uh, and add touchdowns on the ground just really reduces the touchdown equity. And so at that point, you're just really – you're just hoping for a big run from these guys. I that's just that that's kind of where we live, especially with these quarterbacks like this. These these ultra mobile quarterbacks are just going to cut into running back touchdowns so much that it just it's just too difficult to do. Uh, getting into the four o'clock games, Raiders go in and play the Chargers. This game started as Raiders plus three, and now it's Raiders plus one. So um, Vegas really came in starting to hammer the Charger side. I think. It, I think it actually even got down to a pick 'em at one point. Now at minus one, I really like the Chargers uh, at this number. I really like, kind of like them at minus three, like them at minus one, like them as a pick 'em. Um, so, but let's talk. Does this game has a fifty-two over under? The offenses have both shown flashes here. We talked about Herbert as a cash game play, if especially if we're pivoting off Watson. Still think I'm fine with that, uh, just based on what he's been able to do. So I, you can go back and listen to yesterday's podcast for the Herbert thoughts. Keenan Allen was not a guy we discussed, though, and he is maybe we should have because he's a guy that is like right, right with you know, right with Julio Jones, right with Terry McLaurin. I probably would rather play Allen than McLaurin um, in terms of like cash game viability, especially, you know, especially around the targets. Uh, should we just have spent more time on Keenan Allen yesterday, just knowing how much uh, Herbert has really just dialed him in as the as the primary pass catcher in this offense? Absolutely, I think that's a was probably a pr- pretty glaring omission. With 12 and 13 targets in each of his last two games, 
And then, you know, there was a New Orleans game where he got banged up. And, but then 11, 19, and 10, like this guy is one of the, like he might be the favorite to be the most, have the highest targets per game for the rest of the season. He's right there in that price point with Lockett, Diggs. He's a much better play than either of those guys. So he's definitely at the top of the heap right now for me in those mid $7,000 wide receiver guys. And I'd be, I, he's one I would be scared if he were a chalk option at wide receiver. I'd be pretty nervous to not have him. That being said, it's it's going to be tough for us to fit him in if we're also playing Julio Jones, Dalvin Cook, Deshaun Watson. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's good, it's going to be a close one, but I, I wouldn't love missing out on him this week. Yeah, DraftKings is going to be interesting this week because there are like $7,000 wide receivers that have pretty high usage in full PPR that are going to be tough to look at, I think, when it all set, when it's all said and done. And there are probably mm-hmm. just a few cheap enough running backs that people are going to be able to get there on it, right? We're, we haven't gotten to all of them yet, but um, like especially like if you're just like willing to roll the dice on a David Johnson or an Antonio Gibson, well, now you're starting to look at lineups that have Julio Jones and Keenan Allen in them, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, in that seven thousand dollar range, and then and by the way, and then has one and as far as we're concerned, has one of those leftover guys in the flex too. Like usually we go three running backs here. But uh, that is not maybe how things are shaping up. And, you know, you've noticed that we haven't really talked too many about too, about too many great safe running back plays. That's because there really just aren't that many that are that are that are reasonably priced. Right. Like outside of like the Dalvin Cooks and Derrick Henry's. So, um, yeah, Allen is right there. The targets are just, uh, you know, he's fourth right now in targets on the season. And he's going to leapfrog Amari Cooper here sooner than later. So, um He'll, you know, he's going to end up as a top five target guy in the season as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, uh, we probably should have spent more time talking about him. What about the rest of this Charger group? Uh, you know, the running backs, they, I think Tremaine Pope was the guy that was the better. Yeah, so his last week was Justin Jackson, had 17 carries. Then Tremaine Pope gets 10 carries, and Josh Kelly dips down to seven. Uh, Pope actually got 10 carries and seven targets uh, completely out of nowhere. I, like, I don't yeah. know. I, this is a weird situation for me. It probably just means it's a stay away unless you just want to say, hey, Jackson, at least is like a guy that they're going to play for at least half the snaps. But what are your thoughts here on the running game? Well, I, are we just supposed to play Jermaine Pope at 4,500? Uh, you <laughs> can't he, do it. You can't do it. I, yeah. I know that. But um, yeah, that's it's at least close. Yeah, Jackson, I think, I don't know. Like if I'm deciding between Jackson and Antonio Gibson, am I just supposed to play Jackson? Like there's at least some track record there. The touches were there. I know that it gets it is pretty crowded, right? Because Joshua Kelly, there's not any reason why he should be, you know, like he, he hasn't been super effective necessarily, but he's still alive. Right. He still touched the ball eight times last week as well, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is looking a gift horse in the mouth, but I think or just trying to catch the exact right guy in the right moment. Maybe this this whole lineup is just to stay away here. When a guy that you've never really heard of kind yeah. of makes an appearance and gets a ton of usage, it doesn't mean that... If there's no reason like, for it to, right? Like exactly. No one got hurt we, or anything. It means that the team is sort of unclear about what the plan is. It's not like there's an X guy up kind of thing. It's like, hey, this is a hot hand situation, or we didn't see something that we liked in the blocking scheme. Like, it's all sometimes hard to know exactly what the reasoning was. Like, it's not always just, you know, get, you, you fumbled, or um, it's not always, like, you know, something that's super obvious. Sometimes it could be things that are going to be hard for us to pick up on, unless you're an X's and O's guy, which we're, we're just really not. So, mm-hmm. um, and when that's the case, I don't want any part of it, right? <laughs> like, I just don't, um, I, I'm, even from a big tournament standpoint, I'm like, what are you really getting away with here? Jermaine Pope could easily get relegated to the dustbin. As quick, you know, as soon as he came out of it for one week, so I don't know. I don't think I don't think I'm there on that situation. What about the Raiders? Um, 
we have they have no problem running Jacobs a, a ton when the game script is going correctly. He ran 31 times last week. Now, I know that was a bad weather game, so they just kind of had to they just had to run uh, in a way that maybe was not what they want to do. But this is also a guy that's seen tons of carries, even when the game's like not totally going in their favor. And this one's projected to stay close. Where do we land on a guy like Jacobs? The Chargers defense has not been very good this year. I mean, Vegas, by the way, um, Las Vegas is dead, almost dead last. In, they're second to last in DVOA. This is another reason why we like the Chargers. Chargers yeah. are, eh, they're middle of the pack, 15th in DVOA. Game has a nice total, though. Where do you stand on Jacobs? Um, he's probably the wrong price point, I'd say. Like, at 7700 that's a little expensive for a guy that doesn't get a ton done through the air. And there are game scripts where he can kind of fall out of favor. Like, I get that he had a ton of carries last week, but you don't have to go very far back in time to see that he's totally capable of getting fewer than 20 touches in a game, too, which is really not where we want to be uh, in what would amount to maybe our third or fourth highest player in our cash game lineups. So I'll pass on Jacobs. I think there's always interest in a guy who can touch the ball 30-plus times for big tournaments, but for cash, I don't see it coming together. Yeah, and anything to like here in the passing game? Um, Darren Waller. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's the only guy in the Raiders for me. I think he's in that tight end group. I'd say he's like he's in kind of no man's land as well because he's a little more expensive. He's certainly better than the, the $5,000 tight ends, the Hunter Henrys of the world and so on. But when you start, that extra seven $800 really matters this week. And, I mean, maybe you do something like go up from – Evan Ingram to Waller, and you go down from Jones to Keenan Allen or something. If you have a couple hundred bucks extra that you can fit in there too, I don't know. What's your gut on that? Jones and Evan Ingram or Waller and Keenan Allen, if you had to pick between those two. Jones and Evan Ingram, uh, probably the the Waller side of it. You like the Waller Allen? Yeah, so I I think that's a decision we can wind up making if we want to. He's, He's certainly been a lot more consistent than that total crap group of tight ends, even if he's not as good as like Kittle and Kelsey. And, and you can't look at last week's um, performance in the past game and just use it for anything. It was easily the worst weather game of any yeah. game this whole season. Um, they, you know, we knew there was going to be huge gusts of wind there in Cleveland. It turned out that way. It was it's just a total rock fight because they just had to keep it on the ground. So don't use last week's stats to make to, to inform anything about like a drop off in passing. It was just they they were simply not able to pass. So yeah, that's an mm-hmm. interesting situation. I, I definitely don't mind Waller because there's just. There ends up just being so few uh, tight ends that you can even consider. A couple more 4 o'clock games to go through here. Steelers go in and play Dallas. Steelers are now 14-point favorites. Dallas does not who, know who their quarterback is going to be this week. It's not going to be Danucci. It's going to be Cooper Rush and – I can't remember. Shoot, I, this, this is bad. I had the name here a second ago. I can't remember who their other back like, – Dallas is a mess, okay? So you can play – I think you can actually pay up for Steelers defense here. This is how bad the situation in Dallas is. They're projected for 14 total points. Uh, that is uh, laughably low. Now, on the other side of it, though, should just James Conner be our guy this week? Because 14 points in a game that's going to almost definitely be going downhill, um, you would think, right? Like, almost from go. I don't know how Dallas puts up points here. Conner, 15 carries last week, 31 of the 53 snaps. Okay, you can kind of see it. He was the only guy that carried the ball at all, though. Anthony McFarland had one carry. So while the snaps weren't totally there, um, no one else was even interested. They weren't interested in running the ball with anybody else. Not overly effective to get into the end zone, though. Three targets. Is James Conner just our guy? Like, is – I don't know. Like, this is a great situation. Dallas stinks, and they're the huge favorites, and we just know that basically Conner is the plan, right? Like, I don't know. Maybe this is just the spot to be. It's fine. Yeah, it's a good spot. If he were in my cash games, I wouldn't be sad. 
if I can go up from David Johnson to James Conner, I'd be happy to do so. You just run out of money eventually, and I don't see, right now anyway, a path for him to wind up in that flex slot for us. Because we're agreeing right now that Edmonds and Cook are locked, right? Like Those guys are going to definitely be in our cash game lineups. So I don't know that we're going to have 8,200 left over in the flex for Connor. I mean, unless we go triple cheap at wide receiver, which I suppose is still in play, but otherwise I think he'll be on the outside looking in. Yeah, this is funny. I mean, I can't believe we're here with these with these lines. This Dallas season has uh, been true testament to. Just, I mean, it's, it's just such a disaster. And again, you can't play, you can't play any part of the uh, of the Dallas offense at all anymore, right? 14, 14 points. I think of course. You're only, so. Yeah, you're only talking about you're only talking about just what happens here uh, in terms of the defense. And I do, and I, I'm ra- I'm rarely wanting to spend all the way up for a defense just because. I don't know. That just almost never works with the way it's so variant in how they score. This is one of those ones that really kind of makes it close because this Dallas, the quarterback situation in Dallas is like these guys are like half a step out of college and Danucci look terrible. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like how at some point do you just prioritize prioritize the the Steelers defense here? We are, our points projection for them is destroying the next closest team, mm-hmm. which is the Ravens. Like they, we have them for nine points and the Ravens have like fewer than seven points uh, projected. Is that just enough to say, hey, maybe the Steelers are a priority? Like, do you ever, I, I never want to do this, and this is actually butting up against the time where I'm like, hmm, maybe it does make sense. <laughs> yeah, right now our system is essentially deciding between kind of going cheap, which it almost always wants to do, uh, grabbing either Minnesota against Detroit, which I think it's you know even more interesting if Stafford were to miss. Like, I, yeah. that situation basically would be very similar to this one, but you pay like I think it's like sixteen hundred less, or Atlanta at home against the Drew Lock and Company. Broncos so it's not like there aren't other good options I think both that Minnesota and the Atlanta defenses are very solid here I do agree that this could be one of those cases where you're like huh Pittsburgh has 24 fantasy points as a defense because they got two defensive touchdowns in the first half like because remember like they are just it's not just a bad team like Pittsburgh's defense is awesome yeah leading the league in sacks tied for third in interceptions the big playmaking ability is really unparalleled and it will be Effectively the worst offense in the league, right? Um, yes. So, yeah, that's pretty tempting. Yeah, uh, we'll have to take a look at that one as we go. A couple more games. Uh, actually, excuse me, one more game to go here. Miami goes in and plays the Cardinals. So a couple of key pieces of news here. The first is obviously Kenyon Drake is going to sit. Mm-hmm. It does appear like this is going to open the door for full Chase Edmonds, um, who some people have just been calling for even when Kenyon Drake was healthy. So, um, But we're, we're definitely just going to get it now where – I believe, I think it's, you know, it's relatively safe to say that Edmonds is close to an every down back, although famous last words, because teams that sometimes do want to mix it up anyway, um, will just do that. But um, Edmonds has been extremely effective when he's been able to carry the ball this season. You mentioned it before, four and a half point home favorites. You see Edmonds as a lock this week. Yeah, I do. I think he's, he's a clear definitive cash game play, can run the ball, great pass catching back, probably not too much else to talk about it. Um, I think the more intriguing running back situation is coming back the other way in this game where Gaskin has been ruled out for three weeks. Matt Breida also limited in practice on Wednesday, which could leave us with a a Jordan Howard situation that we've, we've deigned, we've dipped, we've dabbled in Jordan Howard in the past, Doug. Uh, They do have Washington there. He hasn't passed the COVID protocols yet. So I highly suspect he will not play. 
Um, yeah, Patrick Laird. Hang, I think Laird also. I think he was limited in practice on Wednesday as well. Oh, so I don't. I don't want to do it. I, no. Like this. Like I get it. I get the. I get forty five hundred Jordan Howard. I don't know. I, like it's just they're just they. It's not like they've been running the ball super effectively to begin with. We saw this with Patrick Laird last year, right? Like it's not. I don't know. It's a different situation, but sometimes these running backs. If it was hard for the best guys to kind of, and Gaskins has had some okay games, but if it's generally hard to like get the best guys going, taking steps down down the talent chain don't tend to work out. Maybe you see Tua run a little bit more. Tua only know. passed twenty two times last week, right? Like I know there yeah. was games groups issues involved there, and Miami as a whole ran next to no plays, but it's and two was not very good on the 22 passes he did throw. I think you could see Miami run the ball a lot this game. I don't know. I will say that the last week it was a weird situation in terms of like what the plan was because they had the two defensive touchdowns, so they just didn't need to be on the field for as much. And so I don't think we got a great sense of like what you know the two, the plan with two is in terms of like running the offense and everything. Gaskin did run the ball eighteen times, uh, and Brita, you know, so was the next guy up. I, I gotta I gotta hear definitive news here. I need to know that multiple guys are out. Okay. I need to know that it's gonna be like an every down back situation. If it's just like hey, it's how it's Howard Brita and Laird. No thanks, I don't want any part of it. Right? Yeah, I agree completely. I, I think we'll know. I think we'll know more as the week goes along, but I, I do suspect that it's gonna be a running back by committee. Yeah, and I think and that's just enough to say no thanks. All right, okay. we're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is a site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals. Get you started. Go sign up for our projection system powered by our good friends over at Fan. Oh, by our good friends over at I almost said FanDuel. No thanks. Uh, our good friends over at Lineup Lab. Uh, optimal lineups, FanDuel, and DraftKings. Uh, NFL, we got PJ up there. NBA, they're almost definitely going to vote on a restart for December 22nd. So that season is going to be here in time for Christmas. It's all covered under one subscription package, dfsr.com slash deals. Buddy, enjoy week nine in NFL. Let's do it.